Hello there. Hey, what's up, you guys? This is April with the For Richer Horror Podcast. And from today's title, you can tell that we'll be talking about the Stanley Hotel today. So if you guys don't know, the Stanley Hotel was the hotel in which Stephen King based the Overlook Hotel on in his move in the movie and the book The Shining. So uh, first thing I want to go over is uh, what the website says. Uh, so they describe it as a historic spirit. Um, you can discover the historic charm of our spirited primary hotel building first opened in 1909. Some of the spirited rooms, the Stanley Hotel features a variety of rooms with high paranormal activity, including the famous Stephen King Suite 217, the Ghost Hunters favorite room 401, as well as 407 and 428. These are among our most requested rooms. Availability is limited. There's also tours. The Stanley Hotel Spirited Night Tour is intended to uncover the spirited nature of their hotel. So you can immerse yourself in the history of the Stanley Hotel after dark. Stanley Hotel Spirited Night Tour is a 60-minute walking tour that will take you through the dark edges of the hotel. It is a unique way to experience the hotel's spirited tales with a knowledgeable storyteller under the ambience of nighttime in the Rocky Mountains. Each tour offers you opportunities to explore, ask questions, and perhaps leave with a few stories of your own. Stanley Hotel has been called Disneyland for Ghosts. It has hosted countless paranormal investigations, including teams from Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures and Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters. Guests can get in on the action with the Stanley's Ghost Adventure Package, where they are assigned a room on the fourth, fourth floor. Complete with ghost hunting equipment, a mug with the famous message Red Rum, which if you don't know is murder spelled backwards, um, that King's novel contributed to the uh, cultural lexicon. So ghostly occurrences are reported in almost every room on the vast hotel, from shadowy figures, eerie laughter, flickering lights, to items moving on their own. The Stanley Hotel has all your favorite phenomena. If you get too spooked, just find a member of the cleaning staff. Apparently the ghosts hate vacuum cleaners. Very interesting. Every time someone vacuums, the machines go haywire and turn off or the plugs will come flying out of the wall. That was the website's description of the hauntings as well as the tours that they offer. And so I'll kind of go more in depth about the hotel's history and all the different haunted rooms that they have. So we'll first delve into the history. So the Stanley, it earned a reputation as a as a paranormal nerve center uh, long before King's arrival at the hotel. Um, it was completed in 1909. It was an elite 420-room retreat built by F.O. Stanley. So it's 90 minutes northwest of Denver. That's the location of it. So the builder, his name was Freeland Oscar Stanley, F.O. Stanley as abbreviated. Um, he was an American inventor, entrepreneur, hotelier, and architect. School children used the Stanley practical drawing set. Photographers used photographic plates. 
and that pretty much made him a multi-millionaire. Um, and then with his twin brother, they created the Stanley Motor Carriage Company. And then the Stanley Steamer was a top speed of 127 mile per hour vehicle. Um, and at the time made it the fastest vehicle on earth. So that was pretty much how he developed his fortune and how he was able then to erect the Stanley Hotel. So in 1903, F.O. Stanley was given a less than six month life expectancy due to him having tuberculosis. So the doctor recommended that he go get some fresh, dry air, lots of sunlight, get on a healthy diet, but he would most likely die before the summer's end. So it's like, go somewhere peaceful to die. Like many with the diagnosis, Stanley and his wife headed for the Rocky Mountains. That was kind of the go-to spot to die, apparently. It was not an easy trek. They were from Massachusetts, so they had to go cross country. But I mean, he built the fastest car, so that might've helped. <laughs> but um, his doctor did promise to come in September to bring Stanley's body back for burial in Massachusetts. So that's pretty dim, like not dim, like that's pretty depressing. It's like, eh, I'll come get you when you're dead. That's, I don't know. I, I find that kind of a bit of a dreary disposition. Um, however, within just a couple of months being in Denver, um, Stanley was hiking five miles a day and nowhere near death. He had fully recovered. He was doing the best he'd ever done, honestly. And naturally, he fell madly in love with the Valley and Estes Park. Um, that gave him a second chance at life. And so he decided to return there every summer. Uh, when Stanley first stepped foot in Colorado, he looked like the Walking Dead. <laughs> uh, at 5'11", which was pretty tall at that time, he only weighed 118 pounds. Like, he was emaciated, he was frail, thin, and, you know, dying from tuberculosis. Pretty much already had a foot in the grave. But just four years later, he was completely recovered and in the best shape of his life. He actually lived to be 91, which at that time was very, very long life. Recovery did not stop the Stanleys from returning to, you know, this healthy environment, but they were a little bit tired of the rugged lifestyle that the current accommodations allowed. You know, there, there wasn't a whole lot out there in Estes Park in Denver, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, a bustling city like he's pretty much used to. And he kind of just wanted to spruce it up a little bit. So in 1907, he was determined to turn Estes Park into a resort town. So he began construction of the famous Hotel Stanley. It says Hotel Stanley, but I've only ever heard of it as the Stanley Hotel. So I'm not really sure what is the correct format for the name, but I'm just gonna continue to call it the Stanley Hotel because that's how I know it. So he also built a hydroelectric plant up in the mountains so um, that the hotel could have electricity. And then he even had phones in every room, which was a huge step for not only that area, but it was just like, that was the fanciest resort, like west of the Mississippi or whatever. 
the main hotel and concert hall were completed in 1909. Guests that arrived by train were ushered to the hotel by a fleet of specially designed steam-powered vehicles called mountain wagons. The Stanley was a summer resort, so heat was not added till much later. It was actually 1979 that it was added because it was only intended to be used for the summer. Like when winter would come, they'd just close it down. Everyone would leave because no one wanted to go to, you know, Colorado in the winter because it was so cold. So it was just a summer resort. Other than that, the hotel is basically the same as it was when it opened. The Stanley Hotel National Register Historic District, it's a long name, uh, contained 11 structures. It was the main hotel, the concert hall, a carriage house, the manager's cottage, a gatehouse, and the lodge, which was a smaller bed and breakfast, originally called Stanley Manor. So during the years since his death, in 1940, the apparition of Mr. Stanley reportedly has appeared to guests checking in at the reception desk, and it claims to hold that the phantom of late Flora Stanley, his wife, um, who was a pianist, sometimes can be heard uh, tickling the ivories in the MCA music room. That's a weird phrase, tickling the ivories. Playing the piano, that's what the hell it means playing the damn piano. <laughs> um, while some spots are more spiritually active than others, guests have uh, reportedly seen lots of strange occurrences. Are you really that surprised? Like Stanley Hotel has got a huge reputation for that. Shadowy figures, eerie laughter, flickering lights, and items moving on their own in every room on the hotel compound, which includes a century-old lodge and century and concert hall like every room has it someone has experienced something in there it's not immune no you know you're not safe anywhere well i'll kind of get into that because it's, it's pretty interesting for a haunted hotel but just just bear with me so as hauntings go the hotel is something of a phenomenon Usually, haunted locations have a history with lots of blood and death, but Stanley Hotel doesn't have that, which um, it often takes people aback. They want to know how many tests that have occurred there, and it's about as many as other hotels. Not that many. Very few deaths occurred at the Stanley Hotel. So the location certainly has seen trauma, though not a whole cataclysm of, you know, death. So in the 1920s, a gas leak led to an explosion in room 217, and that destroyed the second floor above the main dining hall and nearly killed a chambermaid, Elizabeth Wilson. She ultimately recovered and returned to her job, which she held until her death at age 90 at her home in Estes Park. Soon after, the hotel started receiving reports of a spectral chambermaid hovering and walking through the closed doors in the rebuilt guest quarters. Unmarried couples sharing a bed would complain of an invisible force wedging them apart as they slept, and single men woke to find their bags had been packed and left outside the door. <laughs> She's like, you were staying celibate. <laughs> Um, despite numerous reported sightings of spectral use on the hotel's fourth floor and the attic space, records show no child has ever died there. Uh, places get ghosts for different reasons, such as tragedy or bloodshed, but also people tend to haunt places where they were very happy during their lifetimes. So some of the ghosts at the hotel might just be people coming back because they really loved the hotel. 
Um, it comes as no surprise that the hotel's most requested room, 217, is the one where King stayed on that faithful visit more than 40 years ago. The Stanley's true ghost central and most notorious active locale is actually two floors up. It's not, it's, you know, it's not the second floor, it's not in 217, it's on the fourth floor. So let's kind of delve a little bit more into Stephen King in particular. So in the 1970s, the Stanley Hotel was experiencing a bit of a downward spiral. So its splendor had faded and with other accommodations having more modern amenities like heat and air, air conditioning, um, it was pretty much taking up most of the business. It also had a reputation for being haunted, you know, which wasn't a very good uh, selling point back then though. You know, today people want to stay in haunted places. Back then, no, they weren't so crazy about it. You know, that's why the Stanley Hotel is flourishing today because everyone knows about Stanley Hotel. So they want to go visit, me included. Um, so the Stanley seemed doomed for the Wrecking Ball until 1974 when an up and coming horror author checked in with his wife. That faithful night would not only elevate the literary horror genre and set Stephen King on his path to greatness, but it would completely alter the destiny of the Stanley Hotel. So King and his wife, Tabitha, were living in Boulder, Colorado for a short time, and King was struggling with his latest project called Darkshine. He was looking for an isolated setting and locals suggested Estes Park for his inspiration. The Kings had heard of the Stanley and they wanted to check it out. So they found themselves the only guests that night as the next day, the hotel was closing for the season and there would only be a skeleton crew remaining. So they were served dinner in an empty room with chairs on every table but theirs, you know, they at least took the chairs down for the Kings. Tabitha retreated to their room, 217, the presidential suite, while King wandered around the long empty corridors, listening to music and visiting the bartender Grady in the hotel bar. In Paranormal Pursuits, fear is all about what you choose to pay attention to. The Stanley is um, kind of a shiny example of how and where to make you look. When Stephen King visited, he supposedly had the run of the empty hotel and wandered up to the wide open attic that stretched from dormer to dormer and it was dimly lit, filled with sheet draped furniture. Now that holds 25 guest rooms, but he definitely got himself spooked. You know, he was looking for stuff, he found stuff. Um, didn't say exactly what, but he did get spooked by that. And then with the Stanley Hotel's remote location, its grand size and eerie desolation, it had the King's imagination running wild. He even claimed that it was like God had put him there to hear that and see those things. In a retelling about that night, King even said, I dreamed of my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulders, eyes wide, screaming. He was being chased by a fire hose. I woke up with a tremendous jerk, sweating all over, within an inch of falling out of bed. I got up, lit a cigarette, sat in a chair, looking out the window at the Rockies, and by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of The Shining firmly set in my mind. So, The Shining was based off of a dream. <laughs> it was based off of a dream that he had 
by, you know, just being in a hotel that creeped him out. You know, he, he was the only one there. He was the only one wandering through the halls looking at the attic. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I'm alone, I freak myself out. And that's what sounds like happened with Stephen King. So King's nightmare turned out to be a sweet dream and really a breath of life for the historic landmark that served as an inspiration for the fictional Overlook Hotel. The surge in spectral motivated tourism after the book was published in 1977 still is going strong you know, me included. <laughs> um, and it was thanks in part, not only to the book, but the, to the 1980 film adaptation directed by Stanley Kubrick and starring Jack Nicholson. Y'all know that movie. I know you know that movie. Here's Johnny, you know. So that movie, widely considered one of the scariest ever made, plays nonstop on a designated channel at the hotel. <laughs> They fully embrace it. They have a television that is just a continuous loop of The Shining. And I think that is fantastic. I love that they embrace it so much. So let's get into the hauntings then. Maybe we'll find out some of the stuff that Stephen King saw. So in room 217, where Stephen King and his wife were staying, this was also the room that the um, Overlook Hotel from The Shining was, um, what's his name? It, the character was saying, you know, it was based off of the same stuff. So, um, it was the one King stayed in and, and prominent in the novel remains the Stanley's most requested accommodation. While there may not be a woman in the bathtub, that doesn't mean that the room isn't haunted. So in 1911, during a large storm, the head housekeeper, Mrs. Wilson, Elizabeth Wilson, as we already, uh, already discussed, she was lighting lanterns in the room 217 when there was an explosion. Elizabeth was blasted through the floor into the McGregor dining room below. She did survive. She only had a broken ankle. Now she spends most of her afterlife still taking care of the room. Guests have reported items moved, luggage unpacked, and lights being turned off, on and off. She's the very old-fashioned ghost. She isn't a fan of unmarried guests sleeping in the same bed. Um, so some couples are reported feeling a cold force coming between them. I just, I just imagine the ghost is like laying between them, like I'm not letting this happen. You are not wed. This is unceremonious. Like I, I just find that hilarious. So yeah, they'll find a cold force between them because she ain't allowing that. She's cock blocking like a motherfucker. <laughs> um, but when they wake up, they often find the man's things packed up and put outside the door. She's like, you're leaving be respectful or something. I don't know, but I just find that hilarious. And something interesting, actor Jim Carrey stayed in room 217 when the Stanley Hotel was used for filming in his film Dumb and Dumber. Who knew that? The Stanley Hotel was the hotel used in Dumb and Dumber. I didn't fucking know that. Well, he reported getting so spooked that he ran from the room half naked in the middle of the night. <laughs> Some of the film's crew also got creeped out a little bit, and uh, he wouldn't return. <laughs> Jim Carrey's like, hell no, bitch. <laughs> and then it's it's cool because there's an added amenity of the room. It's a library of King's novels. <laughs> it's like, huh, here, you know, just add to the spookiness. Here you go. Here's some books to read. So the next one is The Vortex. So the stunning staircase 
between floors in the hotel's lobby has been dubbed the vortex. It is a tornado of spiritual energy, sort of a paranormal portal for all the ghosts that visit the hotel. Guests have reported cold spots and feeling dizzy on the stairs, as though something has just walked right through them. There have been orbs and distortions caught on camera. Mr. and Mrs. Stanley have even been seen hand in hand watching over the hustle and bustle from the grand staircase. So, you know, they're, you know, their dream is still alive. They're, they're enjoying it. They're enjoying all the people coming out. And I mean, if you're known for being a haunted hotel, you may as well show up. <laughs> the next is the concert hall. So the concert hall was built by F.O. Stanley. It was actually a gift for his wife. The stage features a trapdoor and it was used for theatrical entrances and exits. The lower level once housed a two-lane bowling alley, and the hall underwent extensive repair and renovations in the 2000s, but it's a favorite spot for Flora. She has been known to play the piano well into the night there. A another spirit found in the concert hall is Paul. Among other duties, Paul used to enforce the 11 p.m. curfew in the hotel's early days. So guests and employees report hearing someone tell them to get out late at night. <laughs> I just imagine so creepy. You're, you know, just enjoying the concert hall and then over your shoulder you hear, get out. <laughs> A construction worker was doing some work on the floors in the concert hall when he felt someone nudge him several times until he left. So he's literally shoving them out. Paul is a big fan of the tour groups and he will often flicker their flashlights upon request. He enforces the curfew, but hey, he's down to have a little fun. So the next is probably one of the most notorious, the fourth floor. I shouldn't really say notorious. You'll, you'll find out why. But guests staying on the fourth floor report hearing children running around laughing, giggling, and playing. The closet doors tend to open and shut on their own. More than a century ago, the entire fourth floor was a cavernous attic. Later, it became lodging for female employees, children, and nannies. The Grady twins may have been based off of, you know, it might have been a fabrication of King's imagination. I do find it interesting that the twins were named Grady and the bartender he spoke to that night his name was Grady so it's kind of you know naming them after him so next is room 428 has reports of sound of footsteps and furniture moving about but the real haunt is a friendly cowboy who appears at the corner of the bed obviously many friendly cowboys have spent a night or two at the Stanley Hotel over the years but there isn't really an indication of one dying in the building so they're really not sure who that cowboy is. He's just known as the friendly cowboy. So the ice house is another haunting. Before indoor refrigeration, the Stanley Hotel had, had an outbuilding to house large blocks of ice. The ice house had been remodeled into a museum containing some of the original Stanley steamer cars. It also had two spirits that have been seen inside. One of them being Billy, a shy kid that shows up as a blurry figure in photographs. They also have a pet cemetery. Isn't that interesting? You know, just more of a, you know, circling back to Stephen King. So this actually existed long before King's novel, Pet Cemetery. There was, you know, obviously a pet cemetery outside of Stanley Hotel. There are two beloved 
pets buried here and they like to make an appearance around the hotel cassie the golden retriever and Comanche. Kamanchi, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, um, is a fluffy white cat, and they have both been seen and heard all around the property. There are underground caves. If you take the 75-minute historical Stanley Night Tour, you will get an in-depth look at the underground cave system beneath the hotel. The caves have a high concentration of limestone and quartz, which some believe help capture the paranormal energy. It has been used by employees to get around the hotel, and it would seem that at least one of them is still down there. Current employees say that the smell of home-baked goods linger in the hotel with no apparent source. They attribute this to the pastry chef who worked for the Stanley Hotel when it first opened. There's also a great cat that has been seen stalking about with its bright green glowing eyes. He's not known to be from the pet cemetery though, so perhaps he came from wherever the mysterious tunnels once led. Next is the hedge maze. The open area in front of the Stanley Hotel was originally a long driveway for Stanley steamers and a promenade for guests to enjoy the views. In 2015, it was replaced with a huge hedge maze. They held a competition where they chose um, the design from 300 global entries. This was done to connect the hotel to Stanley Kubrick's film version of The Shining, which introduced the suspense-provoking hedge maze. In King's novel, the lawn of the Overlook Hotel was adorned with topiary animals. While no specific ghosts have been reported inside, people tend to get panicky and have trouble breathing while navigating the maze. So that one wasn't as, you know, related to ghosts or anything. It was just a, you know, a form of anxiety that people experience while visiting the hotel. So kind of in closing, I find it really interesting that none of the hauntings appear to be from anyone's death. It seems like people are just coming back because they like it there. Dead people, that is dead ghosts. Not, no, dead people or ghosts. You can't be a dead ghost, I don't think. Anyway, from the information I've gathered, it's just there are a lot of accounts of it being haunted, you know, no doubt about that, but none of the spirits that reside there appear to be malicious. They all sound super friendly. There's kids running around having a great time on the fourth floor. You got a friendly cowboy who just, you know, wants to be in the corner of the bed, feel involved. You know, the most malicious one might be Elizabeth Wilson because she doesn't want you to get laid if you're not married. <laughs> and I mean, you know, Mr. Stanley and his wife are just still enjoying their great hotel and Flora just wants to play the piano from time to time. You know, I, that doesn't sound terrible to me whatsoever. That sounds like a fun ass time. And who, who doesn't want to be lulled to sleep with piano music? Come on. <laughs> and then there's one that may even be baking you cookies. Like, how bad does that sound? Those sound like some real Caspers, some real friendly ghosts. This is a hotel that, without a doubt, wouldn't even give it a second thought. I'd be there. No questions asked. It's like, opportunity to go to Stanley Hotel. My bags are packed. I have the PTO. I'm going. No question. But yeah, that pretty much wraps up 
the account of the Stanley Hotel, it sounds like an extremely wonderful place that I want to visit. It is haunted, but it isn't a malicious haunting, which makes it all the better. I mean, I'd even invite one of the ghosts to come home with me. You know, if they're baking me cookies, you know, kids just wanting to play around. Sure, no problem with that. I'll take a ghost cat home with me. I don't care. If they're as friendly as this sounds, I'm down. <laughs> Um, anyways, guys, um, that wraps up this week's video episode, whatever. I, I post on YouTube and on the, all the podcast formats, so I bounce between episode and video and comments and everything, so it's, I, I don't have the right description for things right now. But anyway, I hope you guys found this interesting. If you have any accounts of the Stanley Hotel ghost population, or if you have any personal experiences or stories, feel free to let me know. You can let me know on my Instagram for Richer Horror Podcast or on Twitter. That's just Richer or Horror because there is a character limit, which is so stupid. Or if you're watching the YouTube video, leave a comment down below. Anyway, that wraps this up. I will see you guys next week. Bye!